0: So you how oh, we're not w- w- w-
1: I said, empty your mind.
0: I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did not have a sexual
1: relations with that woman. We were to survey the entire world. Mount Rushmore, the worst hated, hate, the most hated teams, for sure. 60% of the people that have a Duke team on there.
0: No, no. I think, I think, I uh, think Kansas and Kentucky. Kansas is
1: hated. I, I hate Kansas.
0: They, uh, they perfected the one and done. I, I hate that. At least Duke guys, they stick oh, around man. for four Even years.
1: When Duke was getting eliminated in the first two rounds, that three years, uh, three year stretch. Even Coach K was like, "Yeah, I had to change my the way I've I had to change the way I coach my philosophy." And I realized that the one and done is the way to do it. And he, that's what he did. That's why he had Zion. That's why he had RJ Barrett. All those guys, all for one year. Didn't so do anything, but it is what it is.
0: Bleacher Report came out and released the top fifteen coaches who produced the most one and done talent, and Coach K is not even in the top ten.
1: Yeah, because he started late.
0: Uh, it seems like you got a lot. Of he
1: mis- spent three. He spent three years trying to develop the four-year player, trying to go against the tide, and he even admitted he made a mistake and he had to adapt. I don't know. Speaking of adapting,
0: guess who's starting the list? Rick Barnes from your 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 alma mater, University of Texas. Texas. Yeah. yeah. So
1: he was a uh, he couldn't develop. I mean, for the talent that he had, he could not do anything in the tournament. You only had one good year in the tournament with TJ Ford. So a well, conversation for another day.
0: One and dones aren't the way to go. You know who had a great one and done? Our topic of the day. But before <laughs> we get there, before we get there, this is Cancels Teacher Teachers Talk. Unbelievable history. I'm Howland. I am Garcia. You could find us at at Cancels Teacher on IG. And today we are going to be talking about.
1: Lorena La- Bobbitt.
0: Lorena Bobbitt.
1: So, if I'm not mistaken, you weren't really, uh, you didn't really have that much knowledge of Lorena Bobbitt before we brought her up a couple of months ago, right?
0: I knew the basics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to go and do a lot of research and buy a lot of research. I didn't have to do as much research as I thought. I did know the majority of the story once I, I went through it. There's a great documentary called Lorena. Right. I'm not going to lie. It's not that deep of a story, mm-hmm. but the themes in the story, we could probably have talks on any of the themes. So it depends ask- it depends on which direction you want to go with this. Uh, well, I got one theme that I really want to talk about. Okay. But well, let me you. ask
1: you a question. What made her story unbelievable?
0: I think it was <laughs> the the flipping and flopping from both her story and her husband's story. Okay. Uh, it was almost like neither of them really understood the story they wanted. They wanted to tell from her perspective. From her perspective, uh, especially growing up in the Me Too movement, a lot of viewers uh, and a lot of people listening are very aware of you know the the power of the feminine voice, and it's almost like she wasn't aware of it. She could have said. A countless number of things and made her story a lot more believable but it seemed like uh she was too shallow
1: okay well we're already a few minutes in and there are a lot of people that are not aware of what she did so
0: okay let's give some
1: background a little bit
0: so she was an immigrant from venezuela correct uh i think you're right i know it's south america venezuela she came over and she wanted uh just like all immigrants want the american dream she married a marine an american marine Mm -hmm. and from all aspects from the outside looking in it seemed like a good relationship problem is in their personal life especially in the bedroom it wasn't all that cracked up to be and it wasn't the dream that she wanted and and, uh, whether you believe her or you believe him both have agreed that there were uh, there's a lot of negativity coming from both sides but what would happen is one fateful night it turns out she wanted to have sex both have agreed that that was what happened and regardless of the outcome whether you believe her or believe him the true outcome was she took a kitchen knife and lopped off his peepee (laughs) <laughs> out of bed walked into the, the, the kitchen I uh, I guess they had a friend of the family, a friend of his uh, sleeping on the couch she grabbed $100 and his Game Boy and left and then she threw his pee-pee Wa-cha! into a field and she went uh, and then she called the police and reported herself and it became national headlines because it was uh, it's A revenge story, but it was like it was a made-for-TV revenge story. Who was whose fault was it? Obviously, if you look at it just from the details, he's the victim. I mean, his dong is gone. That's and it's her fault. She cut it off. And when the police questioned her, she said that it was it was because she was being abused. He raped her that night. Uh, there was a mental abuse dating back. They had been separated once. They were going to get separated again. Uh, and he he denied that they even had sex that night and then later on changed the story and said, oh, well, uh, maybe we did have sex, but it definitely wasn't rape. And the fact that he flip-flopped on his story and then she flip-flopped on her story, and it was just back and forth, back and forth. And the media had a field day because who, who, was, who was right? Is she the victim of months or years of mental abuse and sexual abuse from an American who she, she kind of relied on because she had a green card and she wanted to become an American citizen? And maybe he was abusing the fact that she, she needed him, or was he the victim because she was mentally disturbed because she did spend time in a psych ward after the fact? So obviously she was, she had mental instability, not that I'm um, giving him any, uh, any outs on this or anything, but there was a little bit going both directions. I tend to side with Lorena because we know in 2022 that there are some assholes out there and it does definitely seem, especially looking at what happened after all this. If you look at the path of both of them after, uh, after this, she definitely looks like she was telling the truth, and he looks just like a scumbag.
1: Well, there are expert witnesses that said that, he, that they witnessed him mentally and physically battering her, not just uh, emotionally, but physically as well.
0: He was arrested like three or four times in the last 20 years for abusing future girlfriends. He spent right. like sixty days in in jail because he beat one of his girlfriends. So, but, I'll, go ahead.
1: I'm sorry, but there's a huge part uh, that was left out. She even went to the cops the day before. Yes, if I'm not mistaken. She did and filed a whole complaint about physical abuse. She had pictures of her the inside of her lip busted up. But the, you know, I mean, I kind of think it goes back to what you're saying. She is an immigrant. She has a she had an accent. So I kind of think when she was. Making her complaint that maybe the people that was filing her report didn't really take her seriously because of issues, because maybe she was an immigrant. And let's just be honest, what you were saying before, when it came to uh, women issues like that, or relationship or marital issues like that, women often mm-hmm. were for, were never were forced to never really ever say anything.
0: It was also in the '90s before. I mean, look at—we talked about Bill Clinton a couple of, couple episodes ago—and it's almost like women never get the backing from the general public mm-hmm. when it comes to public opinion. Women never got never got any kind of support.
1: It's interesting you say that because Lewinsky and Lorena Bobbitt were such huge, huge faces when it came to physical relationship abuse. That now in the Me Too movement, they're kind of pushed to the back burner. There, nobody really recalls them. She, um,
0: she actually would go on to get remarried,
1: foundation. and yeah. she
0: started a foundation to to support women who are the victims of sexual and mental uh, mental abuse from relationships. And I, I totally respect that, and that's why I do believe her. And he went on; he was he became a porn star to show off his. His Franken Dong, yes. Right. I can't. I said Franken and Dong, and uh, then like I said, I don't got, even
1: think that's <laughs> not even as embarrassing as the title of his porn, John Wayne Bobbitt Uncut. I mean, is, that, <laughs> is, there, is there a better pun in a title you've ever heard of in your life?
0: <laughs> uh, well, I give him credit because he's taking puns to a whole new level.
1: Right. Right. Uh, but to get to the more serious part, let me ask you a question. Would that have happened today? If she would have reported uh, what had happened the day before, like she did. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, she even put rape pamphlets on the side of his coffee table for him to read the day or I'm sorry, the night that, you know, he sl- she sliced off his his dingle penis. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, would that happen today? I mean, would she have gotten the attention today with the Me Too movement, if that would have happened? In Uh, other words, would Bobbitt never? I mean, would this have never been a story? Would she have gone to the point where she just lost total control? Because she even says, I mean, she would go to court, and they would find her not guilty, temporary insanity. She even admits that she was just—it was like an out-of-body experience for her. You know her body was on idle pilot, and it happened. She drove, and you know she threw the she, she threw his penis out the door. I mean, out the window, car window, and you know the rest is history. The question I also was I wanted to get to with today's Me Too movement: Would the scenario have even happened if it was twenty twenty two or even twenty sixteen when the Me Too movement happened? The night before, when she went to the cops, would it have even gotten to the point where she, they would have been in the same bed together that night? Or would the cops have taken action?
0: Hot take. Yep. Yes, it still would have happened. Really? She was an immigrant.
1: So you don't, you don't think they would have taken her serious because she's an immigrant? Yeah, you're probably right. You know?
0: Uh, I don't know. I do. What has more power in America these days? A, an, a, being, a woman being abused? Or uh the negativity that some people have towards immigrants. Right. right. I well, don't rem- I don't remember where this case took place. Where was the where did the Bobbits live?
1: They I think it happened in Virginia, if I'm not mistaken. Uh
0: maybe. That I, I think that in Virginia since it's it's more of the old the old east. They tend to be a little bit more accustomed to immigrants there, so I think that yeah, they would have sided with her as a woman. I don't think that she would have been in that situation if it was in Virginia or anywhere along the East Coast. But if you go into the Midwest, I think that uh, they might have ignored her because she was uh, she was an immigrant. That's that's shitty to say, but we do have well, that's a- it, that
1: is a reality. I, I spent a whole rant last episode talking about border life and you know the problem with with migrants and immigrants is that they can't find any representation or any serious representation. And then you add to the fact
0: that she is a woman and it's tough getting representation, even as a woman. So yeah, not only
1: that, but imagine trying to express what's happening. She's a, she's a, she's an immigrant. She is a woman, a younger woman. She was 24, 25, and I'm mistaken at the time. And she's trying to say an abusive Marine Ooh. is is hitting her or physically or emo- and emotionally hurting her. I mean, that's just, unfortunately, a bad recipe to get any kind of representation, to get any kind of help that she wanted. Yeah. I, I kind of think the opposite. I think if it was 2016 when the Me Too movement blew up, even 2022. I think if she would have gone in the day before, especially now with, with cops, you know, having a big magnifying lens that they have now, deserving me so... I honestly think that they would have helped her because the last thing they want, the last thing cops need right now is any kind of negative image.
0: I like to look at it as a case of a woman being abused and taking, uh, taking things in her own hands. And I'm not going to lie. Uh, some of my favorite stories have, have to do with people who take things into their own hands. And I think the majority of stories that we see, whether it's movies, TV shows, uh, books, are all about people who take things into their own hands. And that's what she did. She literally took things into her own hands.
1: (laughs) What pun is that? What pun are we on already?
0: I don't know. Hey, hey, you want to know why she got off?
1: Here we go. Talk to me.
0: Because the evidence just wouldn't stand in court.
1: Yikes. (laughs)
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) Or maybe she had a firm case.
0: Oh, I mean, (laughs) from what she said, from what she said, it wasn't so firm.
1: Okay. (laughs) All right. All right. So going back to being more on the serious side, right? What do you think uh, her legacy is? I mean, she's trying to become this huge advocate. For you know, helping women uh, escape uh, spousal abuse. Um, I was watching one of her interviews, and she was stating that you know, a lot of times women, when, they're, when they when they leave, they just they they just run out, and they don't have time to 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 uh, get a suitcase full of clothes or have money to go to a hotel or you know to escape the pain. And she provided that. So, what do you think the legacy is for her?
0: I think when unfo- it comes
1: to women's rights, or what is her personal legacy?
0: Unfortunately, I think that whatever legacy that she could have had or would have had, uh, kind of disappeared because she decided to stay quiet for such a long time. And then a lot of the stuff she does, she does in the background, and she really has it, like you said, become this symbol. Of women's rights or women's equality or women's awareness, sexual sexual violence awareness, she could have been if the cards were played right. But unfortunately, being a a woman who had men mental instability, maybe some PTSD from from what she went through, she chose to, to kind of disappear into the background until she. Got everything straightened out, and then she did everything on her own terms, and I do respect that. But unfortunately, because she she didn't try to make it a thing, I don't think that there is really that strong of a legacy for her. I think it's one of those things that, if you look back in hindsight, we could say, "Man, we kind of dropped the ball with this woman."
1: Well, let me ask you a question, and maybe you and I don't have the right to answer this question, but we're teachers. We're supposed to ask questions, right? Why do you think the Me Too movement haven't latched on to Lorena Bobbitt or Monica Lewinsky as, you know, a spokesperson?
0: Uh, like, that's a that's a tough question to answer, especially since I'm a, a man. But I, if I had to try, if I had to try to, to, to guess on why women like the two that we've talked about in our podcast haven't really become a big figure, it's because... It's not now. We're trying to help women now. We're trying to help women in the moment, in 2022, or in the case of the past couple of years. It's taking things that are happening in today's world and highlighting those because I think those are what strike harder into the minds of people around the United States is you can't hide what is happening in front of your eyes. It's easy to ignore things in the past, but it's harder to ignore things that are happening in the moment. So I think it's, it's just a shame that we can't look 10, 20 years into the past and say, look, these kind of things have been happening and we need to change. It's a lot stronger when you say, look, this is happening right now. We need to change it. And I like I said, I just think it's uh it's it's more about forcing the United States to to make a to make a stronger impact when it comes to women's rights. And we do, we ignore things that happen when we should have done stuff a long time ago. But I was what, five years old when this happened, and that's not you know an excuse because at some point we all have to, to make our own uh our own attempt at fixing these kind of things.
1: Well, look, I grew up, I mean, I was 93. I was 12 years old. And instantly, we, nobody really paid attention to the asshole that John Bobby was. I mean, he even said that, you know, uh, he would often uh, hold her down and press on her, bruising her. He, and, and he was nonchalant when he would admit to stuff like that. Even in interviews 20, 25 years later. But growing up hearing this story, even with the Monica Lewinsky, it became caricature. I remember walking in hallways in the, in the, in the classroom at school, and people would just talk about it, talk about her and jest, even Monica Lewinsky. It was always about the joke. I don't know we can get past that. I think that's just too much of a label, kind of like with the Chris Rock, Will Smith thing. You know, that's what Chris Rock is. He's the guy that got slapped. Yeah, he might be laughing all the way to the bank, but that's his legacy now, whether he likes it or not. Going to uh, Lorena Bobbitt and Monica Lewinsky is it, it, too much of, I mean, we, we just spent a minute just cracking puns on it, right? I don't know, I think it's a missed opportunity, in my opinion, uh, that Lorena Bobbitt or Monica Lewinsky is not the face. I mean, this is a, a good time where we could look to the past and use them. Men and women to uh, promote any kind of physical and men and emotional and mental abuse out there.
0: You know, unfortunately, I think the problem with with the Me Too movement is we spend too much time pointing fingers at the people who've done wrong and not enough time highlighting the victims that were wronged. I mean, look, Weinstein got you know so much headlines for the stuff he did. Cosby got so much stuff so much headlines for the stuff he did, but we don't spend enough time talking about the victims. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Weinstein, the Weinstein victims did get their voice,
1: but can you
0: tell me the name of any of Cosby's victims?
1: I understand what you're saying. I I also kind of think that America is very territorial with Lewinsky. We chose a side. Okay. Yes. People love Bill Clinton. People loved Hillary Clinton. Maybe not now so much, but back then, We picked a side where Lorena Bobbitt, maybe it was the Marine versus the foreigner in a weird way. I hope I'm wrong about that, but I think America is very territorial, territorial in many, many, many aspects. I think that's one of the major flaws about freedom of speech, if you want to go there, because it creates division, it creates side. And I think uh, it could have been any movement, not just so much the Me Too movement. I think we just tend to, as a society, men and women, we just want what looks good, who am I rooting for? We're seeing it in today's politics. It goes deeper than that. And I kind of think uh, Lorena Bobbitt is forgotten and is that caricature that I bring up because we kind of just want to push it aside. Like you were saying.
0: And that's what, that's where we're going to leave our topic of Lorena Bobbitt. We're going to move into, it was,
1: it was a, it was an act of revenge. Like you said, we're
0: going to move into our Mount Rushmore. And like we've, we've kind of talked about a couple of times. I really side with, with Lorena and, in her, uh, her circumstances. And I do think that if somebody needs to take revenge into their own hands because nobody around them will, will do it for them, then that's what needs to happen. And sometimes revenge is exactly what the moment requires. And what we're going to do for our Mount Rushmore this week is the greatest or most memorable acts of revenge. Love it. Now there's a lot to pick from. I love the idea of this because when it comes to the amount of things we could pull from for this, for this topic, I think it's, it's going to be epic. It's going to be amazing.
1: And I do think this is, if we're going to clash it's on a gonna, topic, it's going be this. this will
0: be the one. <laughs> you say Again, that, and I've
1: been wrong every single.
0: Every time, time. but Except I think one. I do think this. There's gonna be one, and if you don't get this one, I'm gonna destroy you. I'm gonna All be right. like you missed a prime opportunity. opportunity. Yeah, 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 yeah. So right. I'll let you. I'll I'll let you go first. I think I went first last time, so you can go first this time.
1: Well, my list is a little bit um on the serious side but I did want to have a little, bit. I was like, do I really want to be that serious? So I do have some real historical ones and I have some fun ones. So for the Thomas Jefferson one, I'm going to go with the movie. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go with Trading Places.
0: Really? Absolutely. Really?
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, Trading Places with Eddie Murphy. We had a whole episode based on eddie murphy played uh he played the character billy ray valentine movie came out in 1983 this is one of my go-to i want i try to watch this movie at least once a year of course during christmas time right with dan Aykroyd on the lollipop and stuck in his beard and everything but what he did i mean the premise of the movie is these these, uh two corporate guys that own their own uh, companies. conglomerates, I guess we want to say, they uh, make a dollar bet uh, saying that they can get anybody off the street to uh, become stock market uh, geniuses, I guess you can say. And they groom him. And in the same time, taking down one of the main other main characters uh, played by Dan Aykroyd, who's this who's this up and coming stock market genius. And long story short, The stock market crashes because eddie murphy and dan Aykroyd they manipulate a couple of stocks going in and it takes down uh randolph and duke the two main older uh hedge fund guys and uh the way they get revenge on him when they find out that the whole bet was based for a dollar that eddie murphy's character just completely takes them down not to mention there'll be a later movie coming to America where we see what happened to them where Randolph and Duke would end up being homeless like to me that's my uh Thomas Jefferson trading places it was a one of a it's a classic movie I love that movie to death
0: I'm just surprised of all the movies about revenge that was the one you went yeah
1: into. because it's, it's one of the it's, it's just a they had fun with it and it, it, you know what it, it it taught me it was it showed me at a young age how rich people can get and how like just the idea of these guys have all the money in the world, make a dollar bet that ruined two lives and eventually their own, of course. And I don't know, it just, it just opened my mind to frivolous betting, I guess you could say, but I love that movie. It's a great okay. movie. It's a classic
0: movie. I respect that. You went personal. Yeah. Uh, for mine, and I'll go movie just to, to counter your movie, but I went with one that, that might not be as personally rooted, mm-hmm. but more universally accepted for its story of revenge. Mm-hmm. And I went with The Princess Bride. Okay. Because the most famous quote, the most famous quote is, my name is Enigo Montoya. You killed mm-hmm. my father. Prepare to die. So you think about it, it is a story of revenge, but I picked it above all the other movies, not for its story of revenge. I picked it for the theme of revenge because what it teaches you as is that even though revenge might feel like it's necessary, revenge might feel like it's the best path. At the end of the day, once you achieve your revenge, life becomes very shallow and hollow. Like, It's that one story where it teaches you that revenge is not the answer, that you have to move beyond the revenge. You have to find a way to – because there's a lot of times where maybe the act of revenge puts you in a worse place mentally, and then you have regrets. You have things that linger a lot longer. You took being a victim, and you created a victim, and now you – have become the perpetrator. And that's kind of what uh, the Princess Bride uh, teaches you, is that at the end of the day, maybe revenge isn't the best option. And uh, you can go back to the, the Lorena Bobbitt thing. Yes, she took revenge into her own hands in a situation where she didn't have the power or she wasn't getting the help. But it, maybe sometimes revenge isn't the best course of action. For her, I definitely agree. But in the case of the Princess Bride, not so much.
1: Um, in my opinion, that movie had the best, the best Athlete cameo in Andre the Giant. Yes, I
0: those. didn't even know who Andre the Giant was before I saw that movie. Really? He, yeah, I didn't grow up in the eighties. Remember when he was he was really big? Yeah, but he I was, was after my time. Than life, but... He was after my time. He was before my time. Wow! And I did the first time I saw. Andre the Giant on my television was in The Princess Bride, and I didn't I didn't get that movie when I was a little kid. But the more I've seen it growing up, the more it's it's kind of grown on me. Kind of like uh, the Nightmare Before Christmas. As a kid, it wasn't that great, but the more I see it, the more I see the intricacies, and the more I like it. It's also, right. it's also a great book.
1: Okay, all right. I like that pick. Very good. Very good. All right, so my number three, Teddy Roosevelt. I am going to go, I'm going to stir the pot a little bit because I like stirring pots. All right, I'm going to go, Aaron Burr. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, we all know the story. He goes into a duel with Alexander Hamilton. Hamilton, this big Federalist uh, paper guy. uh, We know him. He was the first uh, treasury, uh, uh, Secretary of Treasurer. what i love about this story is that he took it upon himself okay now what do i mean by that hamilton it it feels like hamilton would make it his life life's duty to try to ruin aaron burr's life he would develop the the house of representatives just so that burr who lost to thomas jefferson to become president would have to make him vice president. And that's the last thing that Burr wanted, but he accepted. Not to mention, eventually, Burr would try to become governor of New York. And what does Alexander Hamilton do? He would work against him to try to make his life a living hell, getting to the nomination in that process. So what does uh, Aaron Burr do? Challenges him to a duel. And we know the rest of the story. Aaron Burr, pretty much kills him. Now what I'm pissed off about is I wish he would have done it before he became secretary of treasure. That way the stupid musical never would
0: have been made. <laughs> I was gonna bring up music I was waiting for you to finish I didn't want to cut you off. My uh my counter to that I do agree it's a it's a great act of revenge. Uh I wanted to hit the musical only because when you said it that's the first thing I thought of do you right. think, because you said we all know, you specifically said we all know the story. Do you think we all would know the story of Aaron Burr if it wasn't for the musical?
1: No, man. I remember hearing that story in elementary.
0: You are a historian.
1: Yeah, but still, I mean, it's, I, I just, it was all, it, it was brought up in class all the time. It, I remember hearing it like every year of, I, work, of, of of grade school.
0: I never knew the story of Aaron Burr until really yeah
1: that is a mind-blower and
0: think about this the story of hamilton came out when i was in uh, the the musical hamilton came out when i was in college Mm -hmm. i went through all of k-12 and didn't know the story of aaron burr i
1: don't know what that says you know i don't know (laughs) what that says about
0: america's (laughs) education system
1: that's why we're so lowly ranked
0: but how much especially in our classes Do we get to really go into detail about the Founding Fathers' lives?
1: Well, you go – okay, when I taught junior high, I taught Texas history, and you get to teach pre-Civil War. You teach from the Revolutionary War, Declaration of Independence, all the way to the Civil War.
0: In eighth grade, correct?
1: In eighth grade. So you do, in eighth grade, you do teach Aaron Burr and Alexander Hamilton. Um,
0: It's funny because I was – I was the valedictorian. I had high, the highest grades in, in the school during middle school. And
1: you didn't know who he was?
0: No, I'm, I'm, I'm being honest. You're making fun of me.
1: And it's sad because, you know, I mean, I had learning disabilities. I can't articulate myself well. And I knew about this stuff.
0: I still have a <laughs> plaque. I still have a plaque hanging in the office of Mountain Shadows Middle School in California that has my name on it for my grades. That was a- <laughs> I didn't know that it, I will. Yeah, I didn't know. Wow. But yeah, well, I've, seen, I've seen the musical, but to, I do think close, it's, it's a great I'm act sorry. of revenge. It's a great act of revenge
1: to close on this because I know I just pissed off probably 99% of our <laughs> listeners because they all love the Hamilton music. I
0: Hamilton do love musical. the Hamilton musical
1: coming from a hip hop guy. Right. I was I've been in hip hop since I was in the 80s to the 90s. I stopped when Masterpiece became a thing. But, anyways, I just hated it. I know, oh, they had real hip hop guys writing the music. I think Nas was a part of it. And
0: uh, Lynn but- Manuel Miranda. Yeah. He's, He's the only name that you need to, to know. I'm
1: not a fan. I'm not a fan. Oh, well, I'm not a fan. What they did was to quote my one of my favorite movie personalities, Michael Rappaport, they gentrified rap.
0: He's a white guy. He doesn't count.
1: Dude, he made the documentary of Tricoral Quest.
0: He, Lin Manuel Miranda wrote the music for Encanto.
1: I know, and I could go off on that.
0: (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. You're number three. I'm sorry. My Teddy is Buford Puser, or Pusser, and a a. We're having a
1: a very thematic. Our uh, our episode today is very on the same theme.
0: Buford Hayes. Pusser. We're going to call it pusser because, you know, why not? All right. We're going to get fired. Now, he was the cop who took out mobsters to avenge his wife. Now, he became the youngest sheriff in Tennessee at 27 years old. And if you've ever seen the movie Walking Tall with Dwayne Johnson. Oh,
1: yes.
0: I he, thought about that. He is the inspiration behind this. So he's was passing a bunch of laws and a bunch of things to kind of clean up Tennessee. And they kept trying to assassinate him. They kept trying to kill him to get him out of the way. And one day there was, he stopped on the side of the road because there was a disturbance. There was something going on. His wife was in the car with him and somebody pulled up to the side of their car. Cause it was all set up. He got set up and they unloaded on the car. He got shot in the job, but they killed his wife. Right, and, right. And he right. ended up surviving. Mm-hmm. And when he was done, he this guy was an ex marine, and he was the chief of police. And he was still relatively young, so we're not talking like he was this old man. He went on this giant killing spree, kind of like the Punisher, and was taking out mobster after mobster after mobster because they uh, they killed his wife. It's like the it's the story of the Punisher to a T. Right. And I've seen the movie Walking Tall with the Rock.
1: Maybe he took it uh, as inspiration.
0: Maybe he did. I it was uh it happened in 1967. And I don't know when the Punisher was first created, but I'm not gonna lie. Uh
1: you don't know. Nobody
0: uh it was knows. it was an amazing Spider-Man, it was uh Amazing Spider-Man like 67 or something like that, but it definitely was either the early 70s or late sixties. And I don't know, I wouldn't be surprised. Took
1: took inspiration from each other, or maybe they uh wrote it based on his story.
0: Uh, okay, the first Punisher was 1974, and I think it's possible, it could be possible, but regardless of the fact, it's a great story, it's inspired a lot of things. And I would like to believe that if I had the abilities, I'm not a Marine, I'm not a, a police officer. I've shot guns, but I wouldn't be comfortable taking on the mob with guns. But if I had the abilities and they killed my wife, I would like to think that that's how I would seek my revenge in the most badass way possible.
1: Well, I remember my dad telling me about that story for for many years, and uh, I was think I was considering doing that one, um, but. I was like, you know what? The Rock is his guy. Maybe he might do it, and I was right.
0: Uh, it was the Dixie Mafia. I'd, I'm not trying to name drop any gangs, but it was a gang that killed him that uh, I've actually heard of before, and if you're from the Midwest, if you're listening to this from the Midwest, I'm sure that you've, you're have you familiar with the Dixie Mafia. Uh, if you're not from the Midwest, then go Google them. But yeah, they're they a pretty big deal, and uh, he tried to take them on all by himself. I would give the guy credit.
1: Okay. All right. So for my Abe Lincoln, uh, to take inspiration, whether uh, the Punisher took inspiration from him or the other way around, I doubt it. um, I'm going to kind of do the same thing for my Abraham Lincoln. I'm going Joaquin Morietta.
0: Yes, I was going to use him. And I figured because it's Mexico, Ah. even though it's California, I was going to use it because it's California. But I figured you. it was, but it's in now California
1: right the mexican robin hood aka would inspire zorro, uh, zorro zorro right uh you know to me i almost had this my george washington it
0: would have been a good george washington
1: yeah yeah but when you you're going to hear my george washington you're going to be like that is pretty amazing but anyways uh long story short it was during the gold rush uh 1850 he was actually a successful uh prospector And he had many clashes uh, with the American prospectors over his gold deposits. Um, But eventually, what would happen uh, during one particularly brutal conflict, Morietta's wife would end up being raped and murdered right in front of him. Okay. He would actually move on and he would become a car dealer. And one day he would get accused by, by racist white men of stealing a horse and they would end up lynching him and his brother. And his brother would die, and he would miraculously survive. And eventually, uh, that was like the final straw. And he would just go on this huge path of revenge. He would hunt down his brother's killers, murder them one by one while recruiting other Mexican fighters to fight as like vigilantes to protect this Mexican community, right? That was like uh, taken over by all these Americans. Uh, he even had a, a, vet, a veteran and from the Mexican Army named uh, Three Finger Jack, who yes. lost two fight, uh, lost two fingers in a fight during the Mexican American War, which will probably be a topic one day on our podcast because I have a lot to talk about with that. And they would end up, you know, rounding them up like like cattle and take their gold, and they would even give their gold and all the wealth to the people of all these Mexican families and we would become this huge local legend and the rest is history. And he would definitely um, inspire at least a part of Zorro. And
0: in, in turn, Batman, we would not right. have Batman if it wasn't for him.
1: Oh, there you go. Right. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So that is my Abraham Lincoln. I wanted to put him number one. It was really a game time decision.
0: You always say that Superman was Mexican, but you can honestly say Batman.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Ah! (laughs) Uh, For those that are like, what the hell? Uh, (laughs) He is an alien. Right. Uh, And he has uh, worked on. He migrated in working in farms in Kansas. And uh, I think he's Mexican.
0: You're allowed to, but he was uh more of a he's more based on uh G- Jewish people than he was That's Mexicans. Okay. But
1: yeah, I know on the other name, hand, uh, Calioli Cal- Cal- and Jelly are Hebrew, Hebrew names, so yeah.
0: But on the other hand, Batman is 100% based on Zorro, and Zorro is 100% Mexican. <laughs> so there you go. I
1: might have to redo my uh love for uh Batman versus Superman
0: now. Mine is. Aku yadav, seventeen years ago, and I did it. I did it because it's the most Lorena Bobbitt of all the revenge stories that I saw, and I had never heard of it. And I wanted to incorporate something that uh, was very pro woman, something that 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 kind of s- sparked the same kind of story as Lorena Bobbitt, only because. I feel like we need to stay on topic. If we're going to talk about women's women's rights and what it means to be abused as a woman, then I think that we need to see something a little bit more modern. And this happened in right. in the two thousands, but it was in India. and don't let don't get me started on women's rights in India uh, because there are still a lot of places around the world where women are even in in worse shape than In the united states and this is just one of those cases Uh, there was a man named akuyadav that was not his his real name i can't pronounce his real name i'm not even going to try i'm not going to embarrass myself he was a gangster he was a robber but what here's what happened uh in india there's a caste system where at the lowest of the low there's something called untouchables right and they are they're not necessarily slaves, but they might as well be they're that that low and for an American that's the closest thing that we have in our lexicon but they're it's not good if you're considered that that low and what he would do is he'd go to women from this from this hierarchy and he would abuse them and supposedly according to the numbers, he had raped over 200 women and he did it in the in plain view uh, the women would go to the police they'd turn him in and the cops would back him and he never saw jail time he was arrested uh, most of the time they were just ignored and if they were ignored there were certain certain times where because he was a gangster the cops were kind of in his pocket they would go to him and be like hey so-and so has has uh, has come to us and, and accused you and he would show up at their house and abuse them again right, right to show right. his power to show that they basically had no power and here is where the case uh, becomes in my opinion bittersweet so he is finally accused and he gets arrested and he goes to, and he's he's going to court he goes to court for these accusations and in, as he's being escorted into court, all of his abusers are there. Like they're there to, to witness, to see what happens to this man. And when he sees one of the victims, he gets into a confrontation with her and he calls her out. He says things to her while being escorted by a cop and tells her to her face that he's going to get out and he's going to rape her again. Like basically, right, right. they're not going to do anything. And now I know who you are now i can see your face and i'm coming for you right and the cop laughs right and i don't know if it was a spur of the moment thing but the woman starts beating him with her shoe i think it was a sandal or flip-flop it was a shoe and she starts hitting him and i don't know what it was but all the women all the victims in the courthouse they all just snap. And it turns out they all had weapons on them. where they had something. They had knives and, and kitchen knives. And they, they said after the fact that it wasn't set up. It wasn't set up beforehand. These women all did it on a spur of the moment type of thing. But it became a riot. And the, it was so brutal that the cops ran out of the courthouse. They left him there. Right. And he was stabbed 70 times. And mutilated. And they, just like Lorena Bobbitt he was bobbited did
1: i ruin your weekend
0: i had to ruin his weekend but <laughs> the women took it into their own hands cuz obviously the police were not going to do anything to protect them and it's just like lorena bobbit it's it's almost right. the same story yeah, in another country yeah, but sure. on the other hand well, it's in america we value uh we value military so like you said uh John Bobbitt, being a marine, did definitely play to his advantage, and he got some public sympathy on the other hand in in other places, criminality might equal power, and in this case, he was a gangster, and he had that that power over the police, and he used it to his advantage uh, a lot more brutal than John Bobbitt he like I said, he had a lot more victims, two hundred women, yeah, I mean. How could you, I don't know, I can't put myself in that kind of mindset. What How? What kind of messed up would you have to be to be able to rape 200 women?
1: And not only that, but be able to sleep at night.
0: Yeah. Like, there were multiple, he raped women multiple times.
1: Right, right.
0: Which right. means that there were 200 victims, but how many offenses were there? Right. So this guy had to die. He had to die.
1: You know, I, I'm surprised that's not your number one. I, now I'm really intrigued on what your number one is.
0: So I went with something that is going to uh, spark a bigger debate.
1: Well, that's good. Uh I'm now looking forward to your number one. So now, let's now you're going to make that.
0: me feel like an idiot.
1: All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> not the first time. And vice versa, too, by the way. Okay. All right. I am going Julius Caesar. Okay. Now it's not what you think. When Julius Caesar was young, he was actually kidnapped by pirates, and he would be held to a ransom. He would eventually pay off the ransom and he would raise an army, go back to the island, capture the pirates, and not only defeat them but he would have them crucified okay and not and lastly, after getting them crucified, take back the money that he gave. After being free, like I said, he would he would raise a, a small force and they would just unleash hell on them. And of course, we know the story of crucifixions, but what captive, what, what makes me interested in the, why, the reason why uh, this is uh, the revenge is because he told them, I'm going to get my money back and I'm going to kill you guys. I'm going to crucify. He kept his word. And let's just talk about what would have happened if they would have killed Julius Caesar. How different would the world be today?
0: We had this conversation on.
1: Uh, I remember I was thinking about that.
0: <laughs> the effects of Julius Caesar on the world. Yeah. And uh, let's just say that that. Julius Caesar had a way greater effect on humanity than, than a lot I of mean, us realize.
1: We used the Julian calendar to like to like, what, 500 years ago? There's still some religions today that use the Julian calendar. The whole month of July is named after him. And, you know, I've had students say, is he the real Jesus Christ? Be- all because of the initials. I am like, you guys are silly. But, um, yeah, the conversations you and I have had, the effect of what would have happened if Julius Caesar would have uh, never been assassinated should have a podcast within its own. And that's why he's my number one.
0: Uh, I I respect that. See, you went with something that had a profound effect on history, Mm -hmm. like a great historian. And I respect that a lot, which is going to make my number one feel even more stupid. But I'm going to stick with it. And I'm not going to lie. You better not say it, man. You're going to love it. All right, go for because it. Because it's one of my favorite of all time. <clears throat> I'm going to go with the Quentin Tarantino movie, yeah. Kill, Kill Bill. Yeah. yeah. Kill right. Bill. Now, Quentin Tarantino is a huge fan of revenge. It seems like every right. movie has the theme of revenge. But none. none is as great as the movie Kill Bill. Now, Kill Bill takes a lot of – and the reason why I went with Kill Bill – is because tarantino being a film expert pulls from other things uh you could tell he pulled a little bit from samurai culture he pulled from uh shakespeare it's got a very hamlet feel to it Uh, and that's also one of the greatest uh stories of revenge of all time but it's a it's one of the strongest stories of a woman taking revenge into her own hands I also think it has a kick-ass soundtrack.
1: Oh, it does have a phenomenal soundtrack for sure. Absolutely.
0: Now, I do... (laughs)
1: Yeah. I'm not that talented. Anyways, go ahead. So
0: it's about a a former assassin who at the beginning of the movie, she wakes up from a coma and you don't know why she's in a coma, but they they tell you, you know, uh, pretty quick. And she's, Goes on this giant revenge mission to kill uh, her ex. His name is Bill. You know, kill Bill, and she has to go through all of Bill's his elite assassins assassination squad. There's there's a there's a a, a group of them, and she goes through one after another after another on this insane mission of revenge. Uh, and it lasts. It goes through two different films, but it's just it's. I think when I think of revenge in film, it is the number one thing that comes to my mind.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's one of my, my favorite films. Uh, I have great memories to that movie, part one and part two. I loved his analogy of using Superman, uh, Carradine in the movie, when he would talk about how RIP? He would compare uh, Superman. What was it again? What was his uh, way of using Superman in that?
0: He says. There's a superhero, and here's the alter ego. Batman is actually Bruce Wayne. Spider-Man is actually Peter Parker. When the character wakes up in the morning, he's Peter Parker. He has to put on a costume to become Spider-Man. And it is that characteristic that Superman stands alone. Superman didn't become Superman. Superman was born Superman. When Superman wakes up in the morning, he's Superman. His alter ego is Clark Kent. His outfit with a big red S, that's the blanket he was wrapped in as a baby when the Kents found him. Those are his clothes. What Kent wears, the glasses, the business suit, that's the costume. That's the costume Superman wears to blend in with us. Us, Clark Kent is how Superman views us. And what are the characteristics of Clark Kent? He's weak. He's unsure of himself. He's a coward. Clark Kent is Superman's critique on the whole human race. I can keep going. It's a long ass quote, but
1: just for those that don't know, Beatrix Kiddo was played by Uma Thurman, called the bride in the movie. She's a main protagonist. Uh, she has, I mean, that that duel scene with, Orenishi, with uh played by Lucy Liu. Just with the atmosphere, with the snow falling, phenomenal scene.
0: They are trying to make a part three with yeah, Kit with the uh... with the kids.
1: With uh, Vernita Green, uh, played by Vivica Fox, her daughter. Yeah, because saw
0: she saw the fight, and that's—I only thought now of she that. She
1: wants revenge. But yeah, no, that... I love it. I love, it. I love that pick. That's a great number
0: one. And I know you love Tarantino. I love Tarantino. Tarantino's my guy. Uh, we He's have still dif- not
1: better than Pulp Fiction.
0: We have different views on what Tarantino films are the best, but uh, we'll we'll use that one for a different a different podcast.
1: All right, so what's your, uh, now my sixth man, I guess, right? Yeah, you go first. I am going, because it has revenge in the title, I'm going with Revenge of the
0: Nerds. (laughs) I love that movie.
1: Okay, so Revenge of the Nerds. But for me, what Revenge of the Nerds did, I'll make this fast, it gave a voice. It gave not only, it gave a voice to not only the nerds, those with disabilities, those with, just had issues, right? And I connected to that. You know, and I just love this movie because they, they go against the jocks, the nerds versus the jocks. The the nerds hook up with the jocks' girlfriends and they beat them in the Olympics. And uh, it's just a it's a timeless classic to me. It connected to me. And uh, I love it. So that's my sixth man.
0: My sixth man. Is Weathering Heights by really? Bronte. Yeah, I went I went wow. with it. I was going to include it because. Wow. Woman author. I'm going to go woman on this one. Go ahead. Let's just going to round this, this list off with a strong woman uh, author. I love it. Uh, no, crazy. I don't think you love it. I don't think you love it. I, think- I don't know. There's just so <laughs> many
1: avenues you could have gone. There's so many other harrowing women uh, that you could have gone with. Sorry.
0: Emily Bronte is like a, when you think of women authors, top five. Unanimous. Oh, 100%. And this was her story of revenge. For to have a woman, such a pronounced, such a renowned woman author, write about revenge, *Weathering Heights* had to be uh, my sixth man. And I'm not even gonna explain why. I'm just gonna let it sit. And all of our women, women uh, uh, viewers, can come lynch you.
1: I don't know, man. I,
0: <laughs> I mean,
1: <laughs> you could have gone Emma Denayuka. There's so many different routes you could have gone. Uh,
0: well, I'm happy with my six, man.
1: Okay. All right. <laughs> over.
0: Oh, I like Revenge. Uh, I'm sure that uh, we can have a longer conversation on Revenge, maybe a part two down the line. Uh, but like you said, there's so many books. There's so many films. There's so many stories. There's so many historical events. I had like five, six historical events all lined up and couldn't include them because... Because it's just such a rich topic.
1: Right. Well, this is a good conversation. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to the reaction. And on our Instagram, Cancel Teachers, we've had some good reactions. Uh, and we just want to keep them coming, good or bad. We'll respond to you, no problem.
0: I'm just going to let you know if I ever get bobbited at some point in my life, I'm just going to go yeet myself off a bridge. I'm going to actually – no, I'm going to go to the highest building in New York, and I'll yeet myself off that.
1: I don't know. I think if I got John Wayne <laughs> tid. <laughs> did, I don't know. I think, it's, I think it's just over, right?
0: I would rather get Will Smith than John Wayne bobbited.
1: But then again, I mean, if they did that, they had a the successful surgery back then, imagine today. Oh. No. I don't I, think it's a death sentence anymore.
0: I could have a king dong.
1: <laughs> kingdom. King Oh, I'm sorry. No. I got that wrong
0: <laughs> on purpose. Nope. No. Well, a, a bigger pee pee. Cap-
1: sometimes when you get a second chance at anything, you got to go big or go home.
0: Last one. Ca- capital P, P. All right, hey <laughs> if we're not back in five minutes,
1: uh, just wait longer.
0: man, talking about peepees is awkward.
1: yeah, no doubt about it <laughs>